Hello and welcome, friends, to this week's edition of Sustainability Now with me, Justin Mogg, here on your community radio station. We are Forward Radio, WFMP Louisville, broadcasting to you from the historic Hayburn Building here at 106.5 FM. We also live stream wherever you are. As long as you got an internet signal, which you might not have in the place we're going to talk about in a minute. But before we dive into that, let me remind you that forwardradio.org is also the place uh, to become a part of this community radio station. If you want to get your voice, your community's voice out on these airwaves, we'd love to have you. Click on participate at forwardradio.org. And we also rely entirely on volunteer power and in your donations as well. So you can always chip in a few bucks to help keep us on the air at forwardradio.org. Well, what we're to talk about today is a very special place on the Ohio River called Payne Hollow. I've got two board members of a new organization called Payne Hollow on the Ohio. Jessica Whitehead and David Wicks are joining me in the studio. Welcome, friends. Thank you for having us. It really is a pleasure to be on the radio with you, Justin. Thank you, David. David's returning to the show, and Jessica's new to this. That's right. Uh, as, I, as I mentioned, uh, they are both board members of Pain Hollow on the Ohio, which is a 501c3 nonprofit whose mission is to sustainably preserve the structures and land at Pain Hollow, which is out in Trimble County, as a means to protect and promote the legacy of Harlan and Anna Hubbard. And so before we go any further into that and your progress, who are these wonderful people, the Hubbards? Well, that's a wonderful question that we love to answer. <laughs> Harlan and Anna Hubbard uh, were sustainability pioneers uh, in the, our area. They were people who uh, were really interested in living that good life, living that yeah. life on the fringe of society. And Harlan Hubbard um, was an artist, a writer. He was trained in construction and um, all of these wonderful things. They were gardeners. Anna was a musician. She was a librarian before she met Harlan. They were just these incredible Renaissance people who chose to leave a normal life and live <laughs> in this amazing place off the grid uh, right there in Trimble County on the Ohio River. And what era are we talking about? Yeah, absolutely. So um, what I love is that Harlan Hubbard was born in 1900. So you always really? know what age he is oh <laughs> given the year. But he was born in 1900. Anna was born a few years later. And then they both died in the mid to late 80s. Through the 80s. Yeah. And uh, they published, mm -hmm. uh, they, they did art and also published books, right? Yes. So Anna and Harlan met in uh, the 40s, and they were both in their 40s when they met. Oh, really? Uh-huh. So they had these lives. Each of them had these yeah. lives prior to meeting each other. <laughs> Harlan was a professionally trained artist. He had aspirations to be both an artist and a published writer. He achieved both in his life. Anna, as I mentioned, was a librarian. She was a wonderfully trained musician. Both of them had just this abiding love for beauty, for art, for nature. And they came together and created a really uh, remarkable life together. Harlan published two books in his lifetime. Anna actually didn't do much writing. She kept some journals. But um, yeah, Harlan published and, of course, uh, created hundreds of beautiful artworks in all kinds of mediums. You know, what I found fascinating about both was their sense of adventure yeah. and their sense of their humbleness. 
that it was just as important for them to float on the river and to explore what's around the corner than it was to give a public talk. So they were individuals who ignored or gave up on society and created their own life. You know, they formed a lifestyle that was independent of the society that they were involved with. And it's just a fascinating way of constructing what you do in life. So would you say their their lifestyle on the Ohio was an act of rebellion? I don't think it was an act of rebellion. I think it was an act of enjoying life mm. and enjoying their company. Okay. I don't believe they really had intentions to transform the world. Okay. You okay. know, they were living in it and appreciating it and loving each other. Oh, wow. Yeah, I agree. I think it was an act of creativity. Yeah, more yeah than that's what I was else. thinking. Maybe it's an act of creativity. Absolutely, an act of creativity. And Hubbard had many opportunities to speak out in his writing about political issues of the day, about environmentalism. And he was pretty apolitical, and so was Anna. Huh. Oh, mm -hmm. interesting. So the book that Harlan's most famous for, is it called Shanty Boat? Yes. Yeah, so that was published after their long journey down the Ohio and uh, Mississippi rivers, which um, was just fascinating. Hand-built shanty boat, recreating this life of these river people who were uh, sort of living in this ethos David was describing of leaving normal society and trying to live in an independent way that they loved. And so Shanty Boat chronicles that journey, the way that they built that life and um, what that philosophy meant to them. It's interesting when you think about shanty boaters, not all of them were voluntary. Right. You know, the Hubbards chose that lifestyle. For many shanty boaters, they were homeless and yeah. it was a life of despair. And so they really they chose it. They they loved the notion of floating with no end in sight. And so what a pleasure to be totally in tune with the currents of the river, even though they've been so dammed up by the Army Corps of Engineers, they mm -hmm. still were able to float on down the river without a lot of technology. You know, they chose not to have a lot of machines. They really chose to create their own vehicles, their own material goods, uh, uh, and they ended up spending time with each other, but also in certain spots. And that's how Payne Hollow, that was their first summer vacation almost. Oh. So they started floating down the river on their five-year journey Five and years. took <laughs> off six months uh, and hung out on the shore and grew a garden and the whole nine yards. And then the next winter got back on the boat and floated to another wow. destination. So, you know, it they were not destinations. I, I think they were just floating in the current of life and enjoyed where they ended up. Yeah, the first title of uh, Harlan's book, Shanty Boat, was actually called Driftwood, uh, which oh, I think is so yeah. beautiful because that's that's the philosophy there of drifting, uh, the pleasure of, of discovering and um, experiencing time a different way because... I think a lot of us feel that Paint Hollow feels timeless um, in a way that I'm sure, you know, the shanty boat made Harlan and Anna feel timeless. Wow. So where did this five-year journey begin? Yeah, so they built it at Brent, 
uh, which is up near Cincinnati okay. um, on the Kentucky side. They built it at Brent. Um, and Summered in Payne Hollow. Summered in Payne Hollow. continued all the way down to New Orleans? Correct. Wow. Well, they stopped off at the Cumberland River, and then they stopped off at another bluff near Natchez, and then they went on down into the Gulf and hung out, you know, in the islands. Uh, and then they took four years driving back up, <laughs> sort of exploring everything, and ended up at Payne Hollow. And so Payne Hollow was their f- choice of where they thought they were most comfortable mm-hmm. and could live their life as they wanted to. You know, interestingly, sort of close to there in Fort Thomas, Kentucky, uh, uh, there is the Fort Thomas Forest Conservancy, and Mr. Hubbard ended up building his first home in the 20s and gave it to his mother and then built an art studio behind it for him. So he was doing this independent lifestyle, self-sufficient approach to life early, early on. And so interestingly, that art studio now is open to the public. So it's run by the Fort Thomas Forest Conservancy. They have artists in residence and everything else. So our work at Payne Hollow came about not only because of the land was available for sale, but we had this network of people from Hanover, from the Fort Thomas Forest Conservancy, from Beringer Crawford, and of course, here in folks in Louisville. And so it became for sale, and we chose to really form a new 501c3 uh, because uh, the, the plans were still in the strategic planning process for it, but we were afraid uh, that it was going to get developed. And as Mr. Right. Hubbard said, Payne Hollow is one of the few wild places left on the Ohio River, mm. and we're planning on ensuring that it stays that way. Mm. So our development of of the facility is not going to be too extensive. It's (laughs) preservation, a bit of restoration of their work. And one of the challenges that, you know, would be interesting to engage with your uh, radio listeners on is that process of restoration. Hmm. So often when we look at the Hayburn Building or the Brown Hotel, it's incredibly expensive with consultants and this and that all perfect. Well, Paint Hollow was built by an individual using as little material as possible. So how can we live that ethos at the same time as preserving and restoring and using the building. We hope it does not turn into a museum. We hope it turns into a living, breathing, creative place that really enabled the Hubbards to do their life. And so that's 61 acres that surrounds his homestead, it's just a fascinating place. No road access. Wow. You have to walk in uh, about three-quarters of a mile along an abandoned road or have access by the river. No docks, no nothing. So uh, you have to know where it is. Yeah. And, and, and we want to stay a bit invisible, you know, because at the same time, as programs are there or as individuals eventually use it, We want to respect their privacy because sometimes creative energy gets dispersed 
displaced by visitors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you need time for focus. You need time to appreciate the plants and the animals and the wind and the river flowing by. So it might end up that there's very few people wow. who get to really take full advantage of this. Wow. And it might be for classes. You know, all that is down the road. Right now, we're securing the buildings. We're understanding the 61 acres. So we're working with the Kentucky State Nature Preserves Commission and doing botanical surveys. You know, I, I just one more piece before I turn it back to Jessica, and that is this botanical survey is fascinating. This woman, Deb White, who was our state's uh, a botanical specialist for 30 years, hmm. she started to really look at the property and is identifying a significant number of edible and interesting Ooh. plants. So, you know, and that's one of the things the Hubbards really yep. got because they were they lived off the land. Right. You know, they did have gardens and everything else, but you know, wild garlic, there's a huge amount of it. Mm -hmm. You know, watercress, you know, and the the list goes on and on and on from acorns to pawpaws. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and and so it's almost an opportunity to understand that sustainable lifestyle you know in in some of my classes at U of L, we had a group of students go out to Payne Hollow oh, nice. uh, just two weeks ago oh, nice. and one young man said is this even possible today <laughs> you know he, they had this notion that living sustainably is not possible anymore. Oh, interesting. You know, interesting. That, that, that it just woke him up <laughs> to say, you know, I could do this maybe, you know? And so that's a whole other notion that, that Mr. Hubbard also had, you know, that it wasn't really about, it wasn't about being a mentor, but it was demonstrating that an alternative lifestyle is acceptable, mm -hmm. demonstrating that an alternative lifestyle can be successful and creative and happy and being content. And so that demonstration, so for this one young man, you know, he isn't an artist, but it just sort of the light went off on him that said, you know, this is possible today. I'm speaking today with two board members of a new nonprofit, Pain Hollow, on the Ohio. We just heard from David Wicks and Jessica Whitehead is joining me in the studio as well. You can learn more about the organization and perhaps help it out at painhollowontheohio.org. You can also follow them on Facebook and Instagram at Pain Hollow on the Ohio, and that's P-A-Y-N-E Hollow on the Ohio. Uh, so this, the timing of this conversation is wonderful because on October 14th, you all just celebrated official closing on the property after meeting your phase one fundraising goal. Tell me about this process. How quick did this all happen? <laughs> yeah, this has been a very quick process. Process just in, in the space of a couple months, I know, uh, we've amazing. needed to pull everything together. We've incorporated. We've become a, an official 501c3 nonprofit. We've galvanized volunteers to help us out, and and this is a largely volunteer-driven effort, uh, which I know a lot of these kinds of projects are. Yeah. Um, so the Hubbard fans are coming out of the woodwork here. They, oh man, <laughs> yeah, and and the Hubbard fans are so enthusiastic and generous and kind, and they love to tell stories and hear stories. 
stories and they love to learn. And that's one of the things that has been so fun for us as we've been pulling these groups of Hubbard lovers together (laughs) and is learning and making connections with all of these different ways that the Hubbards are able to touch people's lives. And I think that what David was saying about younger people asking, is a sustainable lifestyle possible anymore? Harlan and Anna gave us examples of how you can um, choose to leave a more normal life, um, a life where you are, um, you know, stuck in a job, um, (laughs) you are stuck in a cubicle, Um, yeah, you're you're running up credit, you got your car, (laughs) you know, this more traditional lifestyle. And they broke away from that midlife. This wasn't something that they had decided they were going to do early in their life, although, as David was saying, Harlan had been playing with these sorts of ideas uh, since he was um, younger. But it was a source of great um, concern for him. And in his uh, journals that he wrote, he was a prolific journaler, uh, which is wonderful for those of us who study Harlan and those of us who are working on Pain Hollow because we have lots of primary source material to work with. But in these journals, um, prior to his meeting Anna, going on the shanty boat journey in the 1940s, and then uh, creating Pain Hollow in the 1950s, um, he was really down on himself about having to work a job, support his mother, support, you know, build houses, drive cars. Um, So he was living the kind of life that many of us live, um, but secretly yearning for this different life. Yeah, exactly. Um, So I think Harlan and Anna... Um, and one of the things that we hope to do with their legacy is to show people measurable ways that you can change your life yeah. um, by following their example. Yeah. You but, know, I think we want to be recognized the people who helped us support this. And Frost Brown and Todd LLC provided pro bono all of the legal work wow. for our 501c3 mm-hmm. and the sale of the process. Mm-hmm. Wow. Six degrees really estate came through and did a lot of the work for us and sort of that actual purchase of the property. And then the the Owsley, Fraser Owsley Brown Family Foundation provided a good match. So, you know, we have to be thankful for all of the donors because this is really a supported by the local community. Mm -hmm. You know, we have no federal, no state dollars. Mm. This is purely out of the philanthropic uh, and 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 support for the and and it's not only the uh, the work of the Hubbards. It's it's the Ohio River as oh. well, uh, and so you know the Hubbards were so closely tied to the Ohio River, uh, and it's that connection between them and the local neighborhood towns, yeah. going up to Hanover, going to Madison, going on up or up to Cincinnati, northern Cincinnati, northern Kentucky, you know, those relationships are all still vibrant and in people's memories. Mm. Uh, and so the river uh, uh, is a central theme for all of it. When you look at his paintings, you know, it's a water theme. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and, and we certainly hope to encourage the, those relationships. Like this summer, for an example, we're working with the L Speed School, and they have an NSF grant for ecological research and community research. So, uh, you know, two people are going to be, two groups are going to be working with Patrick Piuma on pedestrian access to downtown. There's a group working with the Beargrass Creek Alliance 
Science and Beargrass Creek. And there's a group working on Payne Hollow. Oh, wow. And so how we get students from the university, from different disciplines, to, to go on out. In our case, it will be tremendously helpful to uh, getting that ecological database mm -hmm. for developing a GIS mapping system, which puts all of our historical resources on it uh, uh, and having young people do it uh, uh, and you know one of the interesting thoughts that uh, uh, Faisal there at the speed school has is the role of virtual reality you know we, we you know the place is small you know we don't want to love it to death so how can <laughs> one share the enthusiasm of it and can the speed school with their virtual reality artificial intelligence system System, somehow place some of Mr. Hubbard's paintings in the geography of where oh, wow. he painted them mm -hmm. uh, and have some of these relationships going back. Huh. But in the long run, we certainly hope that Paint Hollow on the Ohio turns into a field station not only for U of L, but for Hanover or for Thomas Moore. Thomas Moore has one of the best Ohio River biological field stations right. on the in, on the whole river. So how can we sort of develop the, the, the notion of an interdisciplinary field station dedicated to the confluence of art, culture, and the environment along our waterways? Uh, uh, and so it's a long-term goal, uh, uh, but, but we're optimistic that, uh, uh, and it's not only universities, you know, I think it's the museums, it's the uh, afloat and Ohio River way of life. I hope you have John Begley and Peter Morin back on your show again. They're actively involved in our project. So Great. I, uh, we have a fairly large advisory board. And mm -hmm. so this notion of how we connect to uh, uh, the cultural organizations, the environmental water quality folks with Kentucky Waterways Alliance, because that's what it is about. And I guess one final piece that I'm just fascinated with is that there's really not a lot of protected permanently protected land from Cincinnati right. to Louisville. So river fields, you know, they have some significant land uh, uh, here in Metro Louisville, but between here and there, there's some preserved land, but not permanently protected. So how can Payne Hollow sort of work with their neighbors to think about a riparian area that's significant, that it would be permanently protected so the viewshed of Hanover looking onto the Kentucky shore will look like a wilderness mm. not only look like but will be a wilderness be. Right. Uh, uh, and so big long-term goals of celebrating not only the art and the sustainable lifestyle that the Hubbards portrayed but thinking about that ecological integrity of our river systems. Well, as you've been mentioning, this is about connecting people okay. and about an all-volunteer effort. So before we go any further, I need to ask you people, <laughs> why are you so passionate about this? What got you in 
to the Hubbards and to Payne Hollow. And why don't we start with you, Jessica? Yeah, sure. Well, um, Hanover College was a huge part of my entrance oh. into the Hubbard legacy. Um, I'm a Hanover grad. I studied art history and English there. Uh, and um, I actually worked with um, their wonderful collection of Hubbards that they have, their oh. Hubbard paintings, um, uh, as part of um, my final thesis uh, work in my curatorial program. And um, I was just uh, arrested, first of all, by the beauty of, yeah. of his work. Yeah. Um, and then I started reading his uh, writing uh. as I was looking at these paintings. And I started looking at the topography of the area, looking out at that beautiful view from Hanover College. Uh, I'll write down smack in the center. That's Payne Is Hollow. That right. Okay. Um, I began learning um, uh, who had been connected at the college with the Hubbards. And the Hubbards had a wonderful connection with Hanover. Over, which is why we're eager to build, as David was mentioning, these community connections. The Hubbards, even though they were living on the fringe of society, uh, they had wonderful connections with Milton, Kentucky. They had wonderful connections there over in Hanover, Indiana. They would visit the Hanover Library. They have huge book lists of all of the books that they borrowed and cool. the music they borrowed from the Hanover Library. Um, they had relationships with, with professors and students um, from the school who would bring their classes over to, um, to learn more about their lifestyle um, and Hanover professors um, incorporated um, the lifestyle of the Hubbards into their curricula um, so Hanover and the Hubbards had a long history and that's where it all began for me yeah. um, and uh, from that point uh, I started uh, curating some uh, exhibits of Harlan down here in the Louisville area. I started doing some writing about Harlan, and right now I'm working on the uh, new biography of Harlan Hubbard, oh, really? which will be coming out from University Press of Kentucky. So all of this learning that we're doing, this connecting, wow. this meeting, all of these people who may have known the Hubbards or were inspired by the Hubbards is wonderful for me because it's just um, helping me understand this massive um, network and impact yeah. uh, that Harlan and Anna had. Well, I had the pleasure of visiting Hanover College for the first time uh, a few months ago and got to see some of the land that they are protecting mm. along the river there. Yeah. I didn't make the connection with the Hubbards, though. Uh, can anybody go to Hanover and see Hubbard artworks, or how does it work? Yeah, actually, the, uh, there's a really wonderful student um, named Hannah um, Petty Miller who um, actually pulled together um, a new display of all oh, of the neat. Harlan Hubbard paintings that are in um, the uh, public library there at the university. Nice. Um, and they're all displayed together in a beautiful, um, uh, just wonderful exhibit uh, exhibition there. Um, so, yeah, you can, anytime the library is open, the public can go in and check out that collection and that was actually gifted to Hanover by Harlan Hubbard so oh, nice. um, you know that they were um, paintings that were close to his heart yeah you know Jessica's a bit uh, uh, modest she also published a recent book called the watercolors of the Harlan Hubbard with UK Press oh, wow. and Peter Morin wrote the uh, introduction mm -hmm. and they were all the paintings that the Cardells had and so when we think about the art curatorial skills Jessica is it <laughs> you know for my involvement uh, I have been teaching at U of L for many years and the U of L library actually holds all of the archives of the Hubbards, all of his writings. Wow. They also have a fascinating site that if you just type in U of L Hubbard, you'll go right to Joanne Weeder's 
uh, conversations with Mr. Hubbard during his last year. Oh, wow. 10 recorded long, probably 20 hours worth of wow, philosophy and content wow. uh, right there in the uh, public library or in this U of L library. Uh, I also have been very active with the Ohio River Way, which is a National Park Service initiative that goes from Portsmouth, Ohio, on down to Louisville. Mm -hmm. So on November 15th, the Ohio River Way, we have our annual summit that uh, Jessica is going to be presenting at uh, uh, about Payne Hollow. But interestingly, she's part of a panel with the Archaeology Institute of Lawrenceburg that focuses on indigenous folks in the area. Uh, and then with Lewis and Clark National Historic Trail, with uh, the uh, Underground Railroad, uh, along with Payne Hollow, and then with this fascinating project from Terrain 360 that they took a thousand photographs per mile Whoa. from Ashland down to Louisville, <laughs> and they're all stitched together, so it's like a Google Street no for that way. for That's the so Ohio. Cool. <laughs> and so we'll focus on Payne Hollow's. Or, you know, maybe we'll do, it's in Lawrenceburg, so we'll probably do the Lawrenceburg section. So that's just one of the panels. So we'll have four other panels. So this is viewed as an opportunity to bring together all of the museums and art galleries between Portsmouth and Louisville wow. with a focus on the Ohio River. Well, that's November 15th. That's this Tuesday. So uh, <laughs> can people still register and get involved? You can certainly go. It's but the OhioRiverWay.org. Uh, and we'll have, oh, five different panels with... Uh, we have most of the mayors and county judges coming. Oh, cool. We'll have the tourism directors. We have state and national funding representatives. Uh, and then we have this sort of historical look of, mm -hmm. of, of our culture on the river. Uh, you know, people think, you know, oh, the river was really started by uh, these folks floating down and getting stuck at the falls of the Ohio. Well, the Archaeological Institute of Lawrenceburg would take objection to that. <laughs> uh, uh, and so tremendous long, long-term history of Native Americans in our region. Right. Uh, 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 and so how that fits together. And the fascinating thing to me is the Hubbards were all in tune with that. Yeah. You know, sort of trying to think about their role in the history of the river wow. uh, uh, and then what would come afterwards. So some fascinating writings. So, you know, lots have been written about him, by him. But one of my favorite books is Mr. Wendell Berry's <laughs> book on Mr. Hubbard. So Mr. Hubbard was one of the mentors of Mr. Barry. Oh. And so he wrote a very moving sort of analysis of his philosophy. Mm. And, and it's just, just a wonderful book. And so how these spirits get combined is how we really move Kentucky forward. Well, this, this timing of this conversation is so perfect then, folks. November 15th, get involved in the Ohio Riverway Summit, and you can learn more at theohioriverway.org. I'm speaking today with David Wicks and Jessica Whitehead, who are two members of the board of this new nonprofit, Payne Hollow on the Ohio, which has just acquired on October 14th the land uh, where Ar Anna and Harlan Hubbard uh, sort of did their homesteading. Uh, 
and Jessica, I've been wanting to ask you about sort of the archaeological and historical. We talked about the the the, mm-hmm. the plant survey, uh, but what kind of archaeological studies are going to be done or have already been done? So uh, we're interested in doing archaeological and historic surveys, um, and so that's something we're working on. We're also um, working on um, cataloging um, the contents of these buildings, and so um, there are contents from all the way back in the 1950s wow. when the Hubbards were living there and uh, from uh, the person they chose to carry on their legacy, Paul Hasferder, who uh, they had willed it to um, and uh, from whom we purchased Another artist. Yeah, yeah. another yeah. artist, yeah. exactly. Another kindred spirit who, who loved nature and um, wanted to um, live a different way. Um, uh, so we're cataloging all of these ar- archival materials, objects, um, uh, tools. Um, one of the favorite things that I've run across, we were mentioning um, this homesteading, the garden. Um, we came across a huge um, a bread box, tin bread box full of seeds that were still oh, from wow. Harlan and Anna. So we have packets, um, not only brown paper packets of, of peas and things that have Harlan and Anna's handwriting on them, but we also have the seed packets unopened that they had um, already ordered yeah. um, to help us understand what they were planting, exactly uh-huh. what varieties they were planting. Uh-huh. Um, they did write about that um, uh uh, so we do know, you know, they were foraging. Uh, yeah. David was mentioning some of these edibles that Deb White, Deb White is talking um, about finding on the property. Um, but, you know, they cooked with elderberry. They cooked um, uh, with Apios Americana, uh, you know, they, American groundnut. Um, they, were, they were foraging um, stinging nettles that, uh, you know, when you're walking through the Pain Hollow property are, are a real nuisance for the hiker. But um, they're also an edible. And very healthy, uh, yeah. You know, yeah, they use those. Um, so uh, it's been really fascinating um, to learn about that part um, of their lives as well and to see the evidence of how Payne Hollow was constructed. Yeah. That's another thing. Yeah. Um, and we're working, um, David mentioned Joanne Weeder. Um, Joanne Weeder not only did this wonderful, comprehensive oral, oral history at the end of Hubbard's life, um, she was also the former um, historic preservation officer for um, the city of Louisville, and she is now a historic preservation consultant, and she's working with us to try and get Payne Hollow on the historic register, um, which, of course, is um, um, an important goal for uh, looking to get uh, historic tax credits and things like that for the proper restoration of Payne Hollow. And, you know, we're interested in walking that line between Mm. doing historic preservation and also keeping that spirit that creative um sustainable right. spirit of the hubbard so it it's a really interesting project with all kinds of different facets um and uh yeah it's just a real thrill to um get your fingers in there get you know crawl into crevices and uh, yeah. see how things were constructed it's really fascinating well and if it got on the historic register i would i would assume that would uh, help with this vision of Preve- preventing future development on the site, but what other strategies? I actually, are you all believe using? it or not, it, 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 it's a recognition. It's not an easement. Ah, so, okay. uh, 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 you know, that's something else our yes. crew is exploring: is permanent easement status okay. or dedication status. But you know, the recognitions—they're nice. They help with grants. It's a good thing. Uh, uh, but it doesn't provide that permanent status. And right. so how we think about, you know, 20 years, 50 years down the road uh, is still 
an open question. Uh, but, you know, when we look at our history, there's a wonderful old road system that goes through there uh -huh. that was a landing where flat boats and traffic on the river, you know, and that was in the early 1800s. And so there are some uh, uh, foundations. Uh, there's one ice house that's somewhere from the early 1800s. Wow. Uh, uh, and then it laid fallow and it was abandoned uh, in part because the the uh, the terrain is very steep yeah. and it's there's no real good place for crops uh, and so it got passed on and so the reason why it was abandoned mr hubbard came out and said this the reason why it was abandoned was why they love it. Mm -hmm. uh, 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 that that inaccessibility, the the private nature. You have steep walls on either side, so you could have development on either side of it and still be huh. in your own little world. Wow. Uh, and but the relationships to to our neighbors is so very important. And and we're just fortunate to have kindred spirits mm. who who are managing their land for the forest health, who are wow. managing the land for biodiversity. And so that's sort of another undercurrent of this work is yes, the historical and the aesthetic value of the Hubbards is central, but the preservation of the land yes. uh, and the stream that goes through it. We want to do everything in our power to make sure it is ecologically sound. Has the neighborhood changed much since the Hubbards lived there? <laughs> not that specific part. Um, <laughs> not the 60 acres we've purchased, yeah. but um, yes. there's uh, been some development elsewhere. Up, upstream, uh, uh, within a mile, probably five or six new homes. Uh, downstream, uh, LG&E, the mm -hmm. Trimble power plant. I was is wondering right the there. proximity to so, that beast. Uh, so this is, there's a place called Preston Plantation mm -hmm. in between Payne Hollow and the LG&E Trimble power plant. Uh, uh, and so, yeah, significant, significant changes. On the other side of the river, uh, an airport has been built, mm -hmm. uh, and you can certainly, certainly hear huh. that, and, you know, especially on weekends, it's a smaller airport. Uh, there's certainly a couple new uh, boat ramps being built mm -hmm. by private individuals. So, so yeah, the, the riverfront is greatly expanding you know that's one of the things that the ohio riverway is really trying to understand is the impact that these river towns are having for enhanced recreation yeah. so you look at madison right upstream significant money being in put in uh, uh but it's true with all of them uh, uh from madison to carrollton university of kentucky which is you know it's right 12 miles upstream, University of Kentucky is right now helping Carrollton think through what the next 50 years will be wow. for their section of the river. Mm -hmm. So if we take the long view, yeah, significant mm -hmm. developments. You know, it was really 1964 that the U.S. Army Corps finished with the McAlpin Lock and Dam wasn't restoration. Huh? Wow. So that was the last one. Well, what they did was they raised it 10 feet. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. uh, and so the beaches at Payne Hollow, because when they raised the water level 10 feet here in Louisville, 
guess what? It's 10 <laughs> feet or 9 feet probably up there. Uh, and so the beaches used to be much wider. Interesting. Uh, 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 the, the streams did not have as much, you know, because like now it's like Beargrass Creek. You can paddle a mile up Beargrass Creek in the backwater. Well, pre-1964, you couldn't do that because the river was 10 feet lower. Huh. Uh, uh, Towhead Island used to huh. be 90 acres. Today, it's nine acres. Huh. Uh, uh, I call it huh. man-caused sea level rise right. <laughs> on the Ohio River. And the exact same thing happened up there. So, you know, the sta- they call it the stabilization of the Ohio River. So it is more consistent. Uh, 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 so it's a lake. Uh, and so he now lives on a lake, but that he was there during that change. So oh, he moved in in the fifties oh, and really? died in eighties. So he saw that whole yeah. change of the river. Wow. Uh, and the interesting thing to me is, it's really not <laughs> dealt with much at all. As as Jessica mentioned, he was almost apolitical. Hmm. Uh, uh, but. Uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Morgan Atkinson wrote a, uh, developed a wonderful movie. If your if your listeners want to sort of find out more, called Wonder, the Life of Anna and Harlan Hubbard. Uh, uh, Well, he he sort of theorizes that Mr. Hubbard was so focused on the day. Living that, in the moment, right? That he was in the moment. <laughs> yeah. He you had know? a lot to do. In and, so, <laughs> and so all of a sudden, of the river rising 10 feet, <laughs> that's a big change. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, there's been significant change wow. uh, in the community. Uh, but Trimble County is still a rural community. Uh, uh, and so people still farm there. Uh, uh, it, it, it's an active, uh, vibrant community. Uh, 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 community uh you know interestingly one of the places he bought uh seeds from the briar uh uh, farm still there Mm -hmm. right there on highway 42 Hmm. best ice cream in trimble (laughs) county uh uh, uh, and and still there been since since 1910 wow you know they have 90 acres they do all of their own it's like a truck farm uh uh, and so the uh, Trimble County has some great history. Yeah. Our time has absolutely flown by. I can't believe we just have a few minutes left. So is there any last thing you want to share about the vision for the site or perhaps more importantly, how our listeners can support this work? Well, we're really excited to do the strategic planning process for our next couple years. And, you know, right now we're actively involved in this archiving and cataloging, in this um, documenting the property and securing it, in doing these surveys, the botanical, the archaeological, Mm -hmm. the land surveys. But we want to start thinking about how we can partner, like we're already starting to partner with all of these different organizations to use the example that Payne Hollow can give to educate the community and to help the community get hands-on experience um, or to learn. Um, The Hubbards were always learning um, and they loved it and it helped them become wonderful creative souls. Um, And so we want to be part of that creative force. We want to be part of that conservation force in the area. 
So supporting us is something that the community can do to give back to itself. We really want to be a community organization um, and to make Payne Hollow an example of, yeah, how you can support a community. But at the same time, it's going to take us a good two years as we go forward. There are no restroom facilities. The cistern's out of funk. (laughs) Uh, And so it's going to take a while. And Mm so, you know, and that's the challenge that we have with our community right now is that it's not open. Mm -hmm. We are in restoration phase, and that might last for a year or two. So be patient. Check out the website. Go on to Facebook. We'll have a series of informational online things and eventually some site visits. But I think a bigger request is to help us Think about sustainability along the river. What are some other communities doing to really value their culture, their community, their natural resources? We want to collect those. And so if you're involved in a similar initiative, uh, give us a call. If you have time on your hands and you want to sort of really help us with our botanical surveys and our maintenance and our eradication of invasive species and our planting of of medicinal and herbal plants, check out our webpage. And there's information there that you can contact us. But just realize we're in the restoration phase. We're all volunteers. So please be patient and stay in touch. <laughs> and you could do so at painhollowontheohio.org or on Facebook and Instagram at painhollowontheohio. David Wicks and Jessica Whitehead, thank you so much for taking the time and for doing this really important preservation and restoration work. It is our pleasure, absolutely. What a pleasure. And Justin, I hope you can come on out I and can't do wait a to see it. Yeah. live show. There, there you go. <laughs> All right. Stay tuned for that and stay tuned for your community action calendar coming up in just a minute. A whole bunch of ideas about how to get engaged in sustainability this week. So stay tuned, my friends. Down by the waterside, we take our time. Down by the waterside, got no worries and no worries. Down by the waterside, good Lord. Gonna set them free, yeah, yeah. Set me free, yeah, yeah. Set me free. And we're rolling on the river. And we're back here on Sustainability Now with me, Justin Mogg. I hope you got your pencils sharpened and your calendars out and you're ready to get active for sustainability this week. So much happening in our fair city right here in the middle of November. Coming up on Tuesday, November 15th at 6 p.m., there's an online event. Last just an hour. It's called Kentucky's Just Transition Workshop, Climate and Environmental Justice from A to Z, Asthma to Zero Emissions. The fight for climate justice is not just one to save the poll 
polar bears. It's a fight for our health, safety, and future. Join us as we explore the history of the environmental justice movement, ways the early climate movement got it wrong, and how the climate crisis impacts all of us, but especially our already marginalized and vulnerable communities. Hosted by the Kentucky Just Transition Coalition, a cross-sector coalition of Kentucky organizations fighting for a just transition to a safe future for all of us. You can register and get the link to join at mobilize.us. Just search there for KY Just Transition Workshop at mobilize.us. Also on Tuesday, the November 15th, then at 7 p.m., it's the November Sierra Club program. Artist, activist, and conservationist Sabra Crockett will be the guest speaker, and we are returning to in-person at United Crescent Hill Ministries, 150 State Street. Been a long time since we've been back in there for the monthly Sierra Club program, but Forward Radio's proud community partner, the Greater Louisville Sierra Club, invites you to join them to hear from artist, conservationist, and activist Sabra Crockett. Her work centers on wildlife of Kentucky and the surrounding areas, and most of her paintings are of birds. There are over 350 species that either migrate through or make Kentucky their permanent home. Sabra has been fascinated with birds throughout her life, learning how billions of birds have disappeared since the 70s and how species are becoming more and more endangered or extinct. She feels an urgency to paint these creatures before they disappear completely. The club will be serving pizza in celebration of its return to in-person meetings and will allow time for conversation to meet and greet each other. But check their website for a possible hybrid viewing option if you need that. Sierra Club meetings are always open and free to the public. More information is at sierraclub.org slash Kentucky. But we'll see you on Tuesday evening at 7 p.m. out of United Crescent Hill Ministries. Now, Project Warm is kicking off a series of winter energy saving workshops coming up this week starting on Wednesday at 1 p.m. These workshops are designed to help you lower your LG&E bills by reducing your energy usage without sacrificing comfort. They focus on energy conservation with a particular focus on getting the maximum amount of warmth or feeling comfortable in the summer with the minimum amount of electricity, thus reducing your electric and gas bills. They also touch on reducing water use to reduce your water bill. Hands-on training is provided, but uh, including learning how to cover your windows with clear interior plastic. It's a major energy saver for virtually any home, and each participant will receive free supplies. Participants leave with this bag full of supplies to cover your own windows with clear interior plastic and perform other easy energy-saving actions at home. You can learn more about the whole series and register at projectwarm.org. But again, it kicks off this Wednesday the 16th at 1 p.m. They're an hour long, these workshops. And this Wednesday, they'll be at the Catholic Enrichment Center at 1. Then on Saturday, the 19th, they'll be out at Maupin Elementary from 11 a.m. to noon. And the series continues later into November. I'll give you those dates later here on Sustainability Now, but you can go learn more and register at projectwarm.org. Now, also coming up on Wednesday, the 16th at 3 p.m., LACE is hosting an end-of-the-year pop-up. 
pop-up event at 400 Finzer Street, the location of the new community grocery that we're going to build on that spot. The Louisville Community Grocery is committed to building a cooperatively owned grocery store that supports the local economy by providing healthy, affordable food through just and equitable practices, employment, and ownership. You can join the LACE, the Louisville Association of Community Economics, for their end-of-year pop-up event. Again, on-site of the future grocery, it is coming up uh, on Wednesday at 3 p.m. And it's an opportunity to volunteer as well. They'll be bagging up food uh, at from noon to 2 and then distributing those bags from 3 to 4.30. For uh, more information, go to louisvillecommunitygrocery.com. Now, also on Wednesday the 16th at 5.30, there's going to be an open house on the Mill Creek Greenway Project at the Southwest Regional Library, 9725 Dixie Highway. Louisville Parks and Rec and its Natural Areas Division are seeking community input for a conceptual plan that will serve as a blueprint for the Mill Creek Greenway Project. Neighbors living in Southwest Louisville are especially encouraged to attend the open house on Wednesday to provide input on how resources will be allocated and to share your vision of the transformation of the waterway into a recreational corridor. Through a grant from the Nature Conservancy, landscape architects and planners from the Human Nature Foundation will work with residents and stakeholders to create a plan to bring new life to this urban waterway, creating a roadmap for a new public greenway that connects to other green spaces. It's really exciting. The Mill Creek Greenway Project will transform approximately eight miles of greenway and publicly owned land uh, located between Sylvania Park and the Pleasure Ridge Park neighborhood and the Mill Creek Power Plant that's south of Valley Station. The conceptual master planning process is set to be completed by the spring of 2023, dovetailing with two long-term initiatives, the Louisville MSD Watershed Plan for Mill Creek and the Kentucky Department of Fish and Wildlife Resources Stream Restoration of Mill Creek. Those unable to attend this Wednesday's public open house are encouraged to share their views via an online survey at louisvilleky.gov. I took it. It's really short and easy, but come on out this Wednesday the 16th from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. at the Southwest Regional Library. Man, there's so much going on on Wednesday. Last thing I'll mention on the 16th at 7 p.m., it's the uh, bi-monthly green drinks event at the Louisville Tool Library, 20, uh, 1227 Logan Street. Green drinks, of course, is a casual bi-monthly meetup of community members and organizations and each month they host different speakers from across the city to educate and inform the community on local happenings, projects and initiatives. Uh, there's always time for Q&A, discussion and networking and for this month's Green Drinks we'll be touring the new Louisville Tool Library. It's a volunteer run, community based nonprofit lending system dedicated to accessibility of resources waste reduction and growth through education. Operating similarly to a traditional book field library members of the louisville tool library are able to borrow a wide variety of household items on a seven-day lending cycle it is so cool you'll want to check it out and this is a great opportunity to do so you can learn more about wednesday's 7 p.m event at the louisville tool library and all of the green drinks events at louisville sustainability council.org okay let's move on later in the week coming up on thursday november 17th it's a garden maintenance and design workshop at the 
the Louisville Nature Center from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. It's that time of year to put your garden to bed and begin planning for the spring. June and Nancy, a Jefferson County Master Gardeners, will share year, years of knowledge to help you plan and care for your garden. It's a great opportunity to learn how to attract pollinators and plant natives in your own yard. The program will include 45 minutes of activities to put a landscape and garden to bed in the fall and 45 minutes of planning for the coming season, including diagnosing trouble spots and problems in the garden, as well as 30 minutes of Q&A, including answering questions about your problem areas. The information will be given from an ecologically-minded gardening and landscaping perspective, including ecologically beneficial methods, use of organic products, attention to soil health, and pollinator and wildlife-friendly ideas. You won't want to miss it. Get your tickets at louisvillenaturecenter.org. It's this Thursday, the 17th, 5.30 to 7.30 out at the Louisville Nature Center. Now, coming up on Saturday, November 19th, there's a bunch of great stuff happening. First of all, uh, throughout the morning from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m., there'll be a tree planting with Louisville Grows out at the City of Plantation. That's at 2502 Hermitage Way, just off Westport Road between the Waterson and the Gene Snyder. Louisville Grows needs you to join their tree planting team, help them dig towards the goal of planting a thousand trees this fall season. Trained citizen foresters will lead groups of volunteers to properly plant trees on residential properties. No experience is necessary and everyone is welcome to come play in the dirt with us. Registration will take place at 2502 Hermitage Way. Again, that's just off Port, uh, Westport Road between the Waterson and the Gene Snyder from 8.30 to 8.50 a.m. on Saturday and then planting groups will depart promptly at 9 a.m. Please dress appropriately for the weather and remember you'll be digging in dirt and handling mulch so wear clothes that you don't mind getting dirty and please closed toe shoes are required and waterproof outerwear is recommended if rain is in the forecast. We'll plant trees come rain or shine on Saturday morning. And uh, for more information, go to louisvillegrows.org. Now, also on Saturday, it is the last of the 2022 pop-up drop-off events. These are free recycling events for residents of Jefferson County. The last one is this Saturday, the 19th, from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. out at Fern Creek Park and Elementary. They're at 8703 Ferndale Road. Again, they're accepting up to three electronic items for recycling, metal and appliances for recycling. Up to four passenger tires can be recycled. Household recyclables following curbside rules. Yard waste and wooden pallets following curbside rules for composting and they do document shredding and free recycling there as well and proper disposal of prescription medication it's this saturday 10 a.m to 2 p.m out at 8703 ferndale road more information is at louisvilleky.gov recycling and if you want to plant some trees in the afternoon well come on out saturday afternoon it's national family volunteer day y'all from 1 to 4 p.m Metro government will be hosting a tree planting in the Phoenix Hill neighborhood at Gray and Hancock Street. Louisville Metro Parks invites you to join us for a fun afternoon of tree planting. We'll be doing about 50 trees to make Louisville streets a little greener. Tools and guidance will be provided by the Urban Forestry Team. Groups and families with school-aged children are also welcome. Uh, in the event of rain, it'll be bumped up to Sunday from 1230 to 3. But anyway, plan on joining us this Saturday, 1 to 4 p.m. at Gray and Hancock. You can learn more and sign up to volunteer at bestparksever.com. 
Also, coming up on Sunday, you can join us for a vigil. It's World Day of Remembrance for Road Traffic Victims. It's the vigil will be Sunday the 20th at 5 p.m. at Sunny Hill Pavilion in Iroquois Park to commemorate World Day of Remembrance for Road Traffic Victims. It's an annual international event started in 2005 honoring those killed on our roadways each year and organizing for change to prevent such tragedies. This is the first time the event will be held in Louisville and we'll be advocating for state legislation that enables the use of automated traffic enforcement to save lives by reducing speeding and the running of red lights. It is high time, my friends. This event is made possible through the help of Metro Council member Nicole George, District 21, Matthews Bridge Incorporated, Southwest Dream Team, and Vision Zero Louisville. You can learn more at louisvilleky.gov, but just come on out this Sunday at 5 p.m. at the Sunny Hill Pavilion in Iroquois Park. And that is all the time we have for today here on Sustainability Now. I want to thank you so much for tuning in, and I look forward to being back in your ears again in one week's time, my friends. Be well. Pasa toda la noche.